We're going to talk about a blue Christmas and, uh, and the reality of it. Let me, let me just do this one more time, though. I want to make sure you're inviting people to Christmas Eve. Uh, Bill just told you to do it, but I want to make sure you know what's going on. Um, I had a lady tell me that she's invited 100 people to the Christmas Eve services, and uh, 40 of them have already said they're coming. So the reason that we do 10 is because it's an opportunity. It, we're going to do, a, just so you know, it's, it's a white Christmas, you know, on on Christmas Eve, and there will not be a duet between me and Bing Crosby or Danny Kay. Um, there, there will no, be no dancing by me whatsoever. There will be dire straits involved, and you're just going to have to come and figure that one out. But um, I, 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 wanna, I want you to understand the White Christmas is about forgiveness. It's about eternity, okay? And so invite people. Get them to come out. We've got these cards available for you so that you can do that. You can invite them. You know, give it to them so they got this, the times on them. And, uh, and, and if you're, you know, really high tech and use the computer, you could actually go on our website, and we've got a Christmas invite on there that you could, uh, you know, you could put on your Facebook. You could tweet it email it to people, invite people to come out and be a part of this because it's really that important. It, 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 it's, I was thinking this last service, it's like this opportunity once a year, maybe twice a year if you throw Easter in, when the world is asking us for the gospel, you know? We don't, we don't get that many opportunities uh, to give the world something that they're, the spiritual need that, that, that they're looking for. So invite them to come out and be a part of it. Um, December is blue for a lot of people, and we're just going to be realistic about this, all right? Uh, every, uh, December is a magnifier of everything, in my mind, all right? I mean, if, if you've got good things, December can magnify the good things. If you've got bad things, it magnifies the bad things, you know? Your, your family relationships, your people around you, if those are good, you know, then, then I'm excited for, you know, my grandkid and my kids to come back for Christmas and, and to be around, and, you know, you are too, you know, if, if they're good. If they're bad, if your family is bad, I'm... My favorite line from a Christmas movie is Vince Vaughn, you can't spell families without lies. That's from Four Christmases, right? Okay, if you're in a bad situation, then Christmas and December magnifies that, okay? Think about it, financially. If you're in a good place, it's a good thing because you can give gifts and, you know, maybe you get a year in bonus, you know, and you've already got the pool dug and you're just waiting, you know, for that check, you know, to come in and, and it's a good time for you at the end of the year. If you're not in a good place, then you've got to buy more presents, you've got to go into more debt and it makes it that much harder, right? Think about it physically, well, there's nothing positive about Christmas physically at all. We all eat too much and we don't get enough exercise. Forget that. But I mean, I look forward to the whole deal. But Christmas can be blue for a lot of people. And at some point, likely in December, there's going to come a moment when you're going to feel like walking out of the garage in a hockey mask with a chainsaw and cutting something down. Am I right or am I right? Have you had that moment already this Christmas? Because I have. I have to share mine with you. Um, it involves my uh, sewer system in my house. That ought to give you a little bit of a, you know, a little, you know, advance warning right there. We, we didn't rough in the plumbing when we put it in our house, so we had to add a bathroom in the basement later on, and we had a plumber do it, but, you know, it just didn't, it just, all the angles aren't quite right, and so the, the, the septic ejector pit, um, whenever anybody is in our basement for a long period of time and uses the, the bathroom down there, then, then there's this place where... It doesn't allow for the stuff to get into the pit, and it clogs up, and it, and it causes a problem. So I just know that every once in a while, I got to, you know, get my stick and, and, and pull the lid off and poke stuff, okay? It's not, it's not a fun job, but that's what the man of the house does, okay? And um, 
And so, you know, we had some people, we had family in for Thanksgiving, people used the basement, and I noticed the smell, I thought, oh, it's time, you know, I got to do this. I mean, I don't even have it fastened down anymore, it's just, you know, I just lift it up, my stick is there, you know, we do the deed, okay? The problem is it's dark over in that corner, and, um, and the most convenient thing you can do when you need light is pull out your iPhone. You're ahead of me. <laughs> so I put my iPhone on the shelf that's right next to the ejector pit, and uh, I'm doing the thing, and uh, I hit the shelf, and the, the iPhone went straight in. What do you do? <laughs> ladies, the ladies are like, I go get a new iPhone, I'm done, right? <laughs> and every guy in here knows what I did. <laughs> I went in, I don't know what I was thinking, like I'm ever going to use this phone again, right? I, I went in, I'm digging around, I mean, I literally couldn't find it for like 30 seconds. It took me that long fishing around, and I'm sorry, you haven't had lunch. I'm fishing around, I finally come up with it, you know, then, then you pull up and then you're like, what do I do first, you know? The shirt, my arm, or the phone, right? What, which is the priority? So I'm running through the house with the phone. You know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, go to the sink, I'm gonna clean it off because the phone is the most important thing. Then I put the shirt in the, in, the, you know, in the washing machine and then I wash off my arm as best I can. I mean, it was like the rest of the day. It, did not, it was not a good thing. And, I, and, I, and then I got on the computer. I thought, well, how do you save a phone that's been in water? I heard something about rice. So I looked it up and yeah, sure enough, they say, if you'll turn it off, off and put it in rice for three days, that the rice somehow absorbs the moisture. This is the uh, old wives' tale on the internet, at least. And, and so I'm like, well, do we have any rice? Oh, I don't know. I could call my wife, but I don't have a phone that works right now. We don't have a home phone anymore. So I got in my car with my stinky arm, and I went to Burkhart's. If you saw me at Burkhart's, you know why I didn't say hi. And I, and I got my bag of rice, and I went back, and I put it in a Tupperware, and I put it in there, and I sealed it up, and I went on about my day. Then The, the next morning, I'm, you know, I'm so mad at myself, because only an idiot would let that happen, you know, to them. But it's going to happen at Christmas, right? Because that, that's when it's going to happen. So the next morning, I, I wake up, I'm like, I have Apple Care. I mean, idiots have Apple Care, right? Because you know you're going to drop it, you're going to do something. And am I really ever going to put this phone up to my face ever again, even if it does work? So I get in my car and I drive to the mall on Saturday before Christmas. And I go into the Apple store. And uh, th this is just a little advice, okay? I didn't really think this through, but I thought, you know, by this time I've cooled off. I'm not so mad at myself. I, I start telling my story to the Apple people, you know? I'm like, I bet I have the worst iPhone story in human history. And, um, and the lady goes and talks to her you know, the other guy there, and they come back. I said, you know, I need a new iPhone. They said, I'm sorry, sir, we can't deal with your iPhone here because it's a biohazard. The hockey mask is on about that point. I have to go home, call Apple, and um, they got to send me a new one. So if you've been trying to text me or call me, I have no phone. They are going to send me a new one. And she said, make sure you put it in a Ziploc bag and put a little note in there that explains what happened to the phone because it literally is a biohazard, okay? I, I tell you this story because if you think your Christmas stinks, I've got a better story right now. That's just what I'm telling you, Okay. <laughs> 
And those kinds of things, like I said, that'll only happen at Christmas. That would not happen any other month of the year but December, right? Your car's going to break down at Christmas time. Those things, your family problems, whatever it is, it's going to happen at Christmas time. And you're going to find yourself thinking, I can only get by with a little help from Jack Daniels, right? And... Um, and then the problem is some of you grew up with somebody who got too much help from Jack Daniels, and so your Christmas has already been blue, or maybe you're with them right now, and you've got, you see, see what I'm saying? It's a magnifier. We, we all have, you know, we all have all kinds of things to be blue about at, at December. I, I feel blue for our country right now with the racial tension that's going on. And don't, don't you just think, you know, this is 2014. How can this stuff still be going on? You know, the Ferguson, the New York. And I, I, I just need to say something about this. I mean, you know, this is my commentary. You're going to look at the situation through the lenses of whatever your situation was, okay? For me, I grew up in Oklahoma in the 70s during forced busing. You know, when they were trying to segregate. And, and I have been attacked for being white in junior high. But by the time I got into senior high, I, you know, one of my best friends was an African-American. I have had bad experiences with law enforcement, but for the most part, all my experiences have been good, okay? I can't imagine being a law enforcement person, and, and my hat's off to you because you're in a low-paying, high-stress job, and I can't imagine what you have to do. Can I just say that? I want to say that. Thank you. And on the other hand, I've never been a person of color. I've never been a person who had to wonder if the, the, the police response that I was going to get was going to be motivated by something beyond to protect and to serve. And many people of color have had that experience. And so please don't look at this experience and think, well, this is the right thing. I mean, you know, all the, all the banter, all the things that are going on, it's like, I see it this way. You only see it through your lens. What we have is a huge problem that we need to solve, and it, it seems like it should have been solved by now, and that makes me blue. M maybe you feel the same way. Some of you may, you know, feel blue because um, y it's a deeper thing. Maybe it's a time, a, 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 it's a reminder that Christmas is a time when you're alone, or it's a reminder of a, of a loss or something bad that, that happened, you know, earlier in your life. Probably everyone has a Christmas that they would like to forget. Do you have a Christmas you'd like to forget? Ours was uh, 1995. Turned out fine, but in the, in the moment, it was a really, really bad time for us. Our five-year-old daughter, who's the one that's married and lives in California, she was uh, complaining of stomach problems, and you know, she said, my, my tummy hurts, my tummy hurts, and we'd take her to the doctor, and he'd not find anything, and she also had this cough, so we were just confused. Evidently, she had a high tolerance to pain, because when we finally figured out what it was, she had pneumonia. And it was in the lower part of her lungs, and so to a five-year-old, she was telling us that it was her stomach, but it was really the lower part of her lungs. They said, you know, it's, it's gotten pretty bad. We need to put her in the hospital and get her on IVs. And uh, so we're like, okay, it's like December 20th. Okay, we'll go to Payless Hospital, put her on IVs. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world. She'll be out by Christmas. Two days in Payless, they said, this is not going well. You're going to have to transfer to Loyola. It's 22nd of December, we're transferring to Loyola. The 23rd of December, uh, we meet with a doctor in Loyola, and he says, we're going to have to do surgery because the, 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 the pneumonia has leaked outside of her lungs, and we're going to have to literally go in, we're going to have to crack her and go in and, and, and scrape off the infection that has bound itself to the outside of her lungs because it's just not going to go away on its own. 
said, everything's going to be fine. I do this all the time. Usually only in older people. It's called impayima. And, uh, and it happened to your five-year-old daughter. We've got to go in. So we're like, okay, well, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. In the meantime, we're staying at the Ronald McDonald House, you know. We're, we're driving back and forth trying to get Christmas Eve services done here. Um, you know, family's all in. It, it's such a stressful time. My dad literally threw his back out and couldn't get up off the couch for, for two days because he was worried so much. Never forget the feeling. We're, we're in our normal room that she's supposed to come back to when the, when the stretcher goes by and, the, you know, the, they, they wheel her by us and they say, hey, she's not going to come back to this room. We're going to take her to ICU so we can watch her more closely. Well, that's, that's never good. You know, you can't, you can't m- make that sound good to me. So we spent Christmas in pediatric intensive care at Loyola Hospital. It's not a good place. It's a Christmas we'd like to forget. Our daughter made it out, obviously. She can't scuba dive. She's you know, got some lung things, but she's fine. There were a lot of other kids in pediatric intensive care that Christmas that didn't make it out. I, 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 I want to say hats off to you and pray for our healthcare professionals during this season. And I've got a friend in ICU right now who, and I'm just I'm watching the doctors and the nurses, and you guys have a hard time at this time of the year more than anything else. So we're praying for you as well. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what it is for you um, that this represents, um, but what we've got up here, just so you know what the candles are about, this is a tradition we're starting this year that we're going to do every year from now on because I think this is important. This is a way we're going to remember. These, are, these, these candles represent a person that's passed away from Parkview or somebody that's related to us over the past year. 217 of them around up here. Um, and, and you might not have gotten yours turned in or whatever. You just focus on one of these and let that candle be for you. It's not like we're trying to get them all done. But we wanted to, we wanted to focus on this today because we want to honor them and we want to pray for you because this is a blue season for a lot of people. And Christmas was blue in the beginning. Do you understand that? I mean, this, this greeting card scene that we see over and over again, it just seems so quaint to us because we've grown up with it over and over. But, but do you understand that, that that scene that you see, the reality is it's a poor couple who are having a baby out of wedlock who have traveled to a foreign town 80 miles away on foot to have a baby in a barn with nobody around except some strange shepherds and some foreigners. That's the reality of that scene. And that's a blue Christmas. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. You ever think about what we sing? Does that sink in? If the cattle are in the birthing room, I think they call that a biohazard. (laughs) In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I mean, we read that, you know, your Linus in your mind. You, greetings, this is highly favored. The Lord is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled. Why was she greatly troubled? Because she knew she was getting ready to have the very first blue Christmas. It was going to be joyful. I mean, we, why do we sing joy to the world? It's a good question, isn't it? 
Why do we sing joy to the world? It's, it's not because the world is joyful. It's because the Lord has come. You understand this? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Not the world is joyful, the Lord has come. It's joy to the world that we have a Savior. And it wasn't easy for them, and it may not be easy for you. And so we acknowledge that. Where's the hope in it all? Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah years before he came, and he said, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. What does that mean? That means the reality is there's going to be some distress. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. We live in a land of darkness. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You understand this, right? Christmas was for a world of people in darkness. Is it an accident that Christmas comes during the darkest period of the year? I mean, the darkest day of the year is four days before Christmas. That's very, very appropriate. What are we getting now? Like eight hours of gray light? I mean, daylight every day, right? (laughs) Sing about that, Andy Williams. Those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. That's what I'm talking about. And the light is not a light on a tree. It's not even a star up in the sky. It's not even the sun. It's the light of the world who has come to rescue us from our blue Christmas. A child is born, a son is given, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. here's, Here's what I want you to understand. Christmas is not a delusion of a reality that doesn't exist, okay? You know, I mean, we, we got all the fun stories, and we can watch all the specials, and we can, you know, have a holly jolly Christmas, but, but Christmas is not really a delusion about a reality that doesn't exist. It's about the hope that comes in the middle of our reality. Will you grab a hold of that? He's the wonderful counselor. Wouldn't it be great to have Jesus as your counselor? In the sixth month, or, or I'm sorry, Jesus, uh, John said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He listens to us. He is the wonderful counselor. The, the, the Son of God is the wonderful counselor. I'm a terrible counselor. I'm going to tell you that. Don't ever call up and say, hey, i got a problem. I need to talk to Tim. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I will listen to you for five or ten minutes, and, and, and I will never, ever say, how does that make you feel? <laughs> I, I won't. I, I don't care, okay? I'm sorry. I'm, just not, I'm not going to ask you that. I, I, after about five minutes, I'm going to go, okay, well, so far you've told me three things that are causing your problem. Stop doing that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just my, you know, that's all I got, Okay? Husbands, you understand this, right? Every once in a while, our wives will come to us and just say, honey, I, I, I don't want you to solve my problem. I just need you to. Oh, there are several male voices in there. That's good. <laughs> Older male voices, but male voices, right? Good husbands figure that out. You need a counselor who's going to listen to you. You need a counselor who is going to understand where you are, right? This is the problem with men and women in the first place. We don't understand each other. Even when we go shopping, we don't understand each other. I, I went to the mall on Saturday. I went to the Apple store, and then I left, okay? That's what we do. Of course, I was accompanied by security because I was carrying a biohazard, but that's beside the point, okay? 
The reason that Jesus came here as a baby and spent 33 years here is so that he could live among us and understand us. A counselor is going to do you no good if he doesn't know where you live, and Jesus knows where you live. Okay? The counselor here does not mean somebody that you spend 50 minutes with once a week and you go hang out with him. The wonderful counselor is the advisor who will be there to help you at any moment of the day. And here's the thing that happens. At Christmas time, even though the irony is, even though we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, those of us who love Jesus oftentimes are spending less time with the guy whose birthday we're celebrating at his birthday time during the month of December than any other time of the year. And what I want to tell you is whatever form it takes for you, you know, whether it's a, a, a time where you're sitting, you know, with your cup of coffee just talking to him or you're out for a walk or, or you're listening to the music or you're doing whatever, maybe you want to spend a little more time. The bluer your Christmas, the more time you should spend with the wonderful counselor at Christmas time. Spend more time telling him how you feel because he does care. Listen to this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God. The mighty God. The angel spoke to him and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He's from God. And she will give birth to a son and you'll call him Jesus because he's gonna be the savior. And But all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. They will call him God with us. That's his name. He is the mighty God. You know, <laughs> To quote from Disney's Aladdin, immense universal power, itty-bitty living space, right? <laughs> I, I can't help but think of, you know, Talladega Nights whenever I think about this, you know, and, and, and Will Ferrell, I want, to, I want to pray to the baby Jesus, right? I like the infant Jesus in his little golden fleece diapers. That's who I want to pray to. That, that's fine, but you've got to understand that he is the mighty God. You've got to understand that he grew up. You've got to understand that he had the power to, to, to do more than just counsel or advise. He has the power to fix. He had power over disease. He had power over demonic influence. He had power over storms. He, he had so much power that one time a woman went up and just touched his garment and she was healed, okay? So, so the scripture says this, at Christmas time, this is important. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God, okay? The most foundational, the most basic principle about getting help for your blue Christmas is that you need to turn your worry into prayer. Worry is your inner monologue saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And prayer is an inner dialogue saying, God, what can you do? Do what only you can do. And you may be in that situation. Maybe you just need a counselor to listen to you, but you may be in a situation where you're calling on mighty God. I need the mighty God to help me financially or, or relationally or emotionally, whatever is going on. You gotta turn your worries into prayers. Every time you notice yourself worrying, stop and give it to God. That doesn't mean it's going to go away. I, I know. I'm there. I get it. It also doesn't mean that he's going to answer the way you want him to. My, my child made it out of pediatric intensive care, and yours might not have. I understand that. 
because there's other prayers that I've asked that he hasn't answered as well. There's one that he's not answering right now for me, and it's one of my wife's best friends, Karen Lavin. She's done more for Jesus in her life than all of us put together. She's age 50, has a, had a stroke. They have no idea why. They have no idea what the blockage even was, and she's lying in Loyola's intensive care right now, and the only thing that's going to save her at this point is an absolute miracle of God. I, I don't understand. I, from the very moment I got, we got that phone call, from the very moment I woke up in, in a motel room and found my wife on her knees in tears in prayer, I had this feeling that God was going to answer this prayer, that this was going to be an amazing testimony. And it's not going that way yet. And it might not. You know what? I think about that at Christmas time for those of you who got a no to your prayer request or a later to your prayer request. I think Mary and Joseph got a whole lot of those, don't you? Don't you think at some point Joseph prayed, Dear God, please don't let us have this baby in this barn? Don't you think that? Don't you think at some point Mary said, Oh, dear God, please don't let Herod kill all those babies trying to get to my baby? Don't you think they said, oh, God, please don't make us go to Egypt. We don't know anybody in Egypt. They prayed a whole lot of prayers that God didn't answer the way they wanted to. But what did Mary say? May it be to me as you have spoken. They trusted. They knew he could, and they trusted. Which brings me to the third one. He's the everlasting father, all right? I know that's going to get kind of weird. He's like the son and the father. I mean, how, how can he do all that? Please understand that these are, these are about the, the descriptors of who Jesus was, okay? I, I don't want to try to explain the Trinity to you. Um, it's it just, it, I can't, okay? It, it, someday, my grandson Charlie is, is going to say, he's going to say, Papa, can you explain cricket to me? Because his dad is from England, you know? And at some point, he's going he's gonna to realize that they play a different game in England. And he's going to say, Papa, can you explain cricket to me? And I'll say, well, Charlie, here's what I know, okay? They have a ball and they have a bat, okay? Uh, that's, that's what I know, okay? And, they, and they, they, there's a pitcher, I guess, or something. And he throws, I guess he's not strong enough to get it all the way to the plate. So they bounce the ball. And, and, the, and the guy there, he, he has a bat, but it's not really a bat. It looks more like the paddle that my junior high teacher used on me in gym class back in Oklahoma when they used to be able to beat children in, in school. And, and he hits it, and the ball goes out, and they all run around, and, and then the game is over. That's the game of cricket. Are you satisfied, Charlie? And that, that's what I'm going to do someday. And if you ask me about the Trinity, that's pretty much all I got, okay? I can't possibly explain it to you. But, but, but that's not really the important Part. The important part of who is an everlasting father. An everlasting father, a good father, is a father who provides. So, so when the Messiah breaks in, when the light comes into our darkness, he is a God who is a, a God who listens and understands us. He's a God who is strong enough to fix our problems, and we should ask him. But he's also a God who provides. And sometimes a father provides the things that the child asks for, and sometimes the father doesn't. But the father is always the one who is going to protect and watch over and take care of his children. And I know that for some of you, Christmas time is hard because you uh, had a disappointing earthly father or you didn't know your earthly father or you had a good earthly father and he's gone and this is one of your candles. Uh, I know I'll be in that situation someday. We all will. I get all that, okay? Understand that, that the light that came into darkness is 
for the ability for you to understand that you have a father who loves you. And he's always going to know the best thing and he's always going to take care of you. And he could feed the multitudes and he could heal the sick and he, he, he can provide anything for you because he is a good provider. Recently, I wasn't feeling well and I went to the doctor and my wife was with me and the doctor pulled my wife aside and he said, I don't like the way your husband looks. She said, well, I don't either, but he's always been a good provider. <laughs> I, we got to laugh a little bit in Blue Christmas, okay? I, I needed one there. Jesus... He's the one who takes care of us. He's the one who provides for us. He's the one who knows what we need and he wants to be there for you. And the last thing Isaiah said was, he's the prince of peace. Again, let me explain terms, okay? Prince doesn't mean like William or Harry. It doesn't mean like, like he's next in line and someday he'll be the king of peace. It means he's the head. He, he's the principal. He's in charge of peace. That's what the word meant. And, and peace here is the, is the word that the Jews used, shalom. It's, it's not an absence of conflict. It's about wholeness. It's about goodness. It's about shalom. Peace is about the way God wants to things to be. And Jesus is the head of the way God wants things to be. For centuries, the Jews would greet one another before Jesus came, and they would say shalom. They still do to this day. If you're in Israel, that's the proper greeting. If you know a Jewish person, you know, say shalom to them next time, and, th and they, will, they will respond because they're looking for peace. They're looking for that. And the people would greet one another, say shalom. I sure hope we get some shalom. I sure hope we get some. And then and this really cool hillside outside of Bethlehem, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth you get peace. There's glory up there, and on earth you get shalom on men on whom his favor rests. It was prophesied, and finally it had come. During your stressful blue Christmas, couldn't you use some peace? Couldn't you use some shalom? recent study that I read said that 76% of Americans have a hard time sleeping between Thanksgiving and Christmas because of stress. Because, you know, they dropped their iPhone in this stinky stuff because they've got bad things going on because their car broke down because they got to think about the bills. It's the most stressful time of the year. So we need the Prince of Peace. What I'm saying is that that the world is not a good place sometimes, and I acknowledge that. Jesus acknowledged it. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have shalom, you may have peace, because in this world you are going to have trouble. This is one of my favorite things that Jesus ever said, because some people think that if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, that, that somehow, you know, that everything's just going to be hunky-dory and everything's going to be taken care of. Jesus said, no, 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 no. In this world you will have trouble. That's the honest truth. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The fact that I'm here means you have, a mighty, you have a mighty God who's a wonderful counselor and an everlasting father, and I'm the prince of peace, and I'm here for you now. And the fact that I'm here means that the devil's defeated and darkness is defeated and the light of the world has come, and someday we will all get to be in a place where we don't have any more blue. There's no more tears, no more pain, no more crying, and that old stuff is going to be gone. That is the Christmas story. So please take heart in that. And if you're having a blue Christmas, hang out with Jesus. Church put up a nativity scene out in front, and uh, somebody went by one night and noticed that an abandoned dog had no place else to go and decided to curl up in front 
Isn't that, isn't that awesome? I mean, that, that one picture is my whole sermon, you guys. Maybe that's just what you need to do this Christmas. If it's blue, just curl up and say, Jesus, I need you to listen. I need you to understand. I need you to fix something. I need you to provide something. At the very least, I need you to bring me some peace. These candles represent a lot of different stories. Some children represent children who never even made it to be born. Represent some children who just lived a very short time once they were born. They represent some children who shouldn't have died at a young age. One of them represents a soldier who died in Afghanistan. They represent some parents, some fathers, some cousins, some friends. Maybe they lived a long enough life, maybe like my friend Karen who's 50, I don't feel like it's time. But what these candles represent for us is the fact that there is a God who sent his son to die on a cross so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have an everlasting life. And what we've been doing at the end of the service is praying for those of you. And we're not, we're not, praying, we're not praying for these people. We're praying for you, those of you who have lost a loved one. And maybe it's not that. I'm going to ask you to do something in just a second. I'm going to ask you to stand up if you would like prayer. And we're going we're to have the people around you stand up and put their hand on you and pray for you. I promise it won't be weird. Don't stand up if you're worried about it. But even if it's just a, a prayer need that you've got, even if it's not a candle that represents, you're having a bad Christmas, you're, you've got problems, or you know somebody that needs a miracle from God, I, I'm going to ask you to stand up and then we're going to pray together. And, and this is the scripture that I, that I want you to understand. I, I want you to understand that, that God brought us the, the, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's what I want you to understand, and that he is the hope of the world. So would you just do that right now? If you would like prayer, would you just stand up? Go ahead and do it around. Don't be afraid. Just stand up because we're going to have people standing around you in a very short minute. Balcony, thank you. Look around you now. Go ahead and stand up if you, if you would like prayer. Go ahead. Now, now, for the rest of you that are standing around them, would you stand up and just put a hand on them? And if you have to move, if nobody around you is, is getting somebody, then move around. Go find somebody that's standing by themselves. I want, I want everybody to have a hand on their shoulder. And if you're not close to anybody, then... Just put your hand out and let's all pray together right now. Can we do this? God, I know that sometimes it's hard for us because <clears throat> we can't just crawl in a physical manger and, and, and hang out with you. We can't just physically do something. And so that's why you give us each other. That's why you give us the church. That's why you give us the body of Christ, this place right here. And if, if there's a hand on a shoulder right now, Lord, will you help them to know that that's, that's your hand? And if there are people out there that need your hand on their shoulder right now, let them feel it, whether it's physically through another person or just in, in a direct contact with you right now. And be there for them and, and, and be the counselor that they need. We pray for you to be the mighty God that they need. I pray that still for my friend Karen. I do not give up. I, I pray that you will be the, the provider that they need, that you will be the prince of peace in their life that even if these candles are representative of somebody in their life, that, that, that they will understand 
that you died so that we could all be free. Lord, be with us as we do this. Be with us and turn this blue Christmas into a white one. In Jesus' name we pray.